the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. Just when baseball season is ending, thanks to the World Series, teams start making roster moves, and we're here for it. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. That's Cody Fincher on the Ain't No Fang podcast. This week, we want to focus a little bit on the end of the World Series, but also this is a Diamondbacks podcast. I don't know if you knew that. So we are going to talk about the roster moves. It is. Oh, great. It is. What a coincidence. (laughs) That's why we're here. Yeah. Um, Let's start with some of the roster moves that have already occurred this week, specifically for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And it starts with the ever-rotating right field position, which the Diamondbacks have struggled to (laughs) fill ever since the departure of J.D. Martinez, who was really only here for like four four years ago, too. Yeah. Well, (laughs) after he was here... He left in free agency. Nobody doubted that that was going to happen because right. he was going to make $100 million easily, right, right. and the Diamondbacks weren't going to pay that. So they went out and they made that acquisition of Steven Souza Jr., uh, who was billed as J.D. Light, <laughs> kind of. That's pretty accurate. This he guy hit the, 30 home runs. Yeah, he has a similar skill set, just like won't be as good is kind of how he was billed, and uh, we kind of know how Souza turned out. There were a lot of injuries. He missed a ton of time, and he ended up being, what, non-tendered at some point? Yep, yep. Um, Cole Calhoun has been here for the last couple of seasons. I thought that was a good acquisition at the time. He's a local kid. Uh, He had come from the Angels organization where he played pretty well. He was a left-handed bat, which I liked. Hits homers, power hitter. home runs. He was the best power hitter in 2020. He's a good defender. Good defender. Uh, I like that he puts the effort in. He's right. a very uh, aggressive outfielder, yep. and I like that about mm-hmm. him. But mm-hmm. with that comes injuries, and he spent a lot of his time as a Diamondback on the bench, injured. Yep. And here we are now, and they have declined uh, the opportunity to give him another chance in Arizona. I'm I'm not surprised by that. Um, I think it was, what was it, a $9 million option or somewhere around those those numbers? They weren't gonna pay Cole Calhoun that honestly. Like that, that just wasn't in the cards for uh, for Cole Calhoun, who, like you said, he, he's he's just been here since you know twenty twenty, a shortened twenty twenty season, and he missed time in twenty twenty one with with two or three injuries, to be honest with you, and he never really. He he did like he he kind of did what he advertised to when he was healthy though. He hit home runs. He didn't hit for a high average, and he was a good defender in right field. That's what he was billed as. And he, when he was completely healthy, he did deliver that. I, 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 I think that um, I liked Cole Calhoun. I liked the signing when they brought him in in 2020. Um, I thought it was a good complimentary piece. He was coming off of a pretty good year in 2019 with the Angels. Um, and like you said, he's a local guy. He, I believe he's from Buckeye, or went, at least went to high school in Buckeye. I can't remember. But uh, he's he's from the Arizona and it kind of, you know, he kind of fit right in um, with all that. He lives here already. So it was an easy transition. But just the 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 results weren't there. They weren't there for Cole Calhoun, especially not for the money he was owed in this option that they had on him. They got him for two years, 16 million. Uh, you mentioned that the option they turned down was nine million for next season. He hit 226 as a Diamondback. That's not good. I mean, there are players in this organization who have hit worse, but I wouldn't yeah. say that that's a good reason to keep a guy around. Right. Um, on base, 338, which isn't great, but when you're hitting 226 and you're on base, 338, that's a good sign. I mean, he was getting on base at a good clip. Um, 
And you're right. I think the most frustrating part about this for Cole Calhoun is that he pretty much was as advertised. He, mm. he did the things we thought he would do. He had the flaws we thought he would have. And so I don't think that the Cole Calhoun experiment was a, was a waste. Um, I think that it's a disappointment that he spent so much time on the IL. And that's and, probably my biggest frustration. And, and, and probably his biggest frustration. Yeah, I'm sure it is. He he spent time, I think, two different time periods this year on the injured list. His hamstrings flared up. and But... And, Let's not, you know, he could still come back. I mean, they could, could they could still bring him back for a one-year veteran type of deal for cheap on the dollar. I mean, he's got a little bit to prove, too. It's not like he's going to go out on the free agent market and, and, and make a lot of money. Um, he's got something to prove. They've got to prove that he can stay healthy for a whole season, that he could get back to where he was before this past season. Um, so it's a possibility that he is an Arizona Diamondback again, but just not for $9 million. That's just, that wasn't going to happen. So, and, and the same thing for Tyler Clipper. Tyler Clipper was also not, uh, his option was not picked up by the Diamondbacks. He's a free agent too. And and that just, that experiment didn't work. I'm sorry, it didn't. Tyler Clipper started the season on the injured list. He missed, it felt like almost half the season before he came around and, and actually started pitching in the bullpen. He missed a ton of time. And then when he was when he was thrown in there, because they traded Joaquin Soria to the Toronto Blue Jays, and he was kind of just made their de facto closer when they were leading in games, which wasn't a lot. Um, and he, at some times he was good, and most of the other times he wasn't. And it's just, he, he's like a 38, 37, 38-year-old reliever who doesn't throw hard anymore. He never really threw hard at all, but um, it's just I I, I understand that um, decision as well because that bullpen needs work. That bullpen needs needs a major facelift. Yeah, I, not that I disagree with them cutting bait with Tyler Clippard, but you're gonna have to pay five hundred thousand dollars to get rid of him. That's his uh, buyout. Yeah, um, there was a two million dollar buyout on Calhoun, so you're already sp- spending almost three million, two and a half million. On two guys that are not going to play for your team, right? Um, not that that. I mean, every team does that, right? Mm-hmm. They yep. they buy guys out so sure. that they can go and replace them. And some of the replacement value players are going to be from within the organization, so they're going to be cheaper than those guys anyway. Um, we don't know what their plan in free agency is. Although, if it's anything like last season, we can't expect them to invest heavily. I mean, they're going to go out and sign somebody for a hundred million dollars. I don't think, even though they've surprised us in the past with Madison Bumgarner's eighty-five million. Uh, certainly, Zach Greinke's two hundred and six million was a surprise. Yeah, that came out of I don't think literally it came out of nowhere. Yeah, and I and honestly, they probably regretted it in the long run. Even yeah. though they got, even though they got four seasons out of him where he was pretty good, and they um, got decent young players in return. Decent, they're starting to come to fruition a little bit. Josh it's, Rojas, yeah, is probably the big piece to to me. Yeah, Josh Rojas, and who was the throw in, ironically, yeah. in that deal, but. We'll see with Seth Beer, and then I, I, I'd like to see at least something out of one of the two pitchers they got for Zach Granke. I need, to, and to me, I would prefer it to be Corbin Martin, who is still projected to be a starting pitcher who has good stuff. I mean, if JB Bukowskis can turn into a decent relief pitcher, I think that's a win. Um, he, 
I just remember in spring training last year, we were like, oh my gosh, J.B. Bukowskis is so good. He's so great. Why isn't he on the opening day roster? Blah, blah, blah. And then he kind of struggled the rest of the year. So Yeah, he flamed out a bit. Um, but that's okay. I mean, like he's still developing. Yeah. It doesn't mean he can't have a future. I mean, especially in a team like this, in an organization where they have no bullpen piece that I have confidence in. There's not a single player on the Diamondbacks in the bullpen right now that I'm like, that guy needs to stay. He is there awesome. really isn't. I, I think they're going to have an entirely different bullpen next year. Um, except for maybe Chris Davinsky, who they did bring back on a minor league contract. That doesn't um, inspire. But though. no, it, I'm not. I'm I'm not inspired by it either. But I'm just saying, in terms of faces and names, yeah. I think you're going to see a vastly different bullpen next year. I mean, we still might get, you know, um, you know what? I just blanked on every single name in the bullpen. <laughs> That's my point. Yep. That's my point. Yep. Yolan Lopez. He's uh, gone. Is gone. Pretty much. Stefan Crichton is Stephon gone. Stefan Crichton, who was the closer last season. Right. You just oh went and gosh. got Joaquin Soria. He's gone. Clippard's gone. Oh, boy. You don't have a lot <laughs> left. Ucaskis might be the only one left. Yeah. You have... Okay, so here's the thing. Here's a positive. Let's take this as a positive. Most relievers become relievers. They start as starters. Nobody goes pro with the hopes of being a closer right out of the gate. Right. I don't I don't think that happens widely. Even Mariano Rivera played another position before he was a relief pitcher. So, yeah, I don't think like Trevor Hoffman was like I'm going to be a closer. I don't think so. I mean, maybe some people do have aspirations of that, but most relievers are failed starters. Kenley Jansen was a catcher. Yeah, and I he's mean, one of the best relief pitchers this year, and right and maybe in the last few years. So it's kind of just as random sometimes. My point is, the good news for the Diamondbacks. I, I really is, shouldn't have looked up the D-backs bullpen depth yeah, chart. Now I'm depressed. Yeah, tell me about it in a second. But my point was, I don't know if you want to know. You could pull from the depth of starting pitching prospects that the Diamondbacks have. They don't have a ton of like A one pitching prospects, but they've got a lot of decent names who are coming up through the system, some even in high in the system. So maybe we see some young arms from the minor leagues who get a chance in the bullpen rather than in the rotation. Okay, uh, tell me who else is in the bullpen. Uh, well, you sure you I know, know a couple. Sure Hold on. Know? Okay, go ahead. Brett DeGuys. DeGus. DeGus, sorry. So I don't even know his half name. Half a point for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Matt Peacock. He gone I mean, already? he is not on this list, but he was. I this is the list of I believe who ended the season on the active roster. Oh no, I'm on not, the I'm on not the, on know the 26 that. man roster. So here's the names because this is embarrassing for you. Uh, as I couldn't name a single person, I got two Brett, minutes ago. I got Brett DeGus, uh, Joe Mantiply, yeah, Noe Ramirez, Brett DeGus, JB Wendelkin, yeah. who's got decent stuff, but. I liked Noe Ramirez. I thought he was okay this season. How could I forget about Caleb Smith? Oh, yeah. He is technically yeah. in the bullpen. Uh, Sean Poppin? No. And that doesn't even sound like a real person. Technically, Luis Frias ended the year in the bullpen. Okay. And I think you can also throw in there, even though he started a few games, Humberto Castellanos. Okay, but there's my there's my point that I was trying to make on the positive side. Castellanos, Frias. Young. young even guys. Caleb Smith. They are all starters. Who, who were in the bullpen are now in the bullpen. Yeah. And yeah. I think you're going to see more of that. And honestly, season. like it was for Caleb Smith, he didn't want to be in the bullpen, you like, know, like he, he just pitched better in the bullpen. Right. So that's why he was there. And that's a positive. And he's also a left hander and they right. don't have any of those. Right. Um, 
but also too, like, could you see uh, a failed starter like a John Duplantier? Could he finally latch onto a bullpen role? Maybe he's um, failed to do so so far. He has, yeah, exactly. He hasn't really. He hasn't been able to stay on. I don't even think he did. He, did he come up for a game this year? I can't even remember. Um, but uh, I mean, maybe I don't know though. I don't know if he's kind of just there they they kind they i what did they 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 put him on waivers or whatever and then he came back um but but we've seen the failed starter reliever thing work for the diamondbacks in the past archie bradley was yeah a huge success in the bullpen in in my opinion <laughs> and one of the top starter prospects right in baseball he, yep he was at the and, time i mean it, it's just it's it's very random isn't it with that type of stuff you don't know if who's going to be you, you it's so hard to project what guys are going to be especially pitchers. I mean, like I said before, Kenley Jansen, one of the best closers in the, in the last few years of of Major League Baseball was a catcher. He started his career as a catcher. I mean, David Peralta started his career as a pitcher and he couldn't pitch. By the way, John Duplantier did pitch in the majors this year. Okay, he, I think he, he pitched got in four games. 13 innings, and yeah. I won't tell you how bad it was, but his ERA was higher than his innings. <laughs> okay. So, so it that. didn't go well, is what uh, you're trying to say. Not great. Okay. so I, but, I, but I think our point is the bullpen is going to look totally different. It, it has to. It has to look different. But you can't go out. I mean, so a couple of years ago, I, I seem to remember the Rockies went out and purchased like four pretty good relievers. I believe Adam Ottavino was in that group and like maybe like. I don't know Wade Davis. Oh, it or... was it was um it was Brian Shaw, Brian Shaw Wade Davis, them. and Jake McGee. And Adam Ottavino wasn't. He was group? there already. Oh, okay, so I they believe, had a, I believe they had like four guys. They who spent were... like five hundred million dollars on three <laughs> relievers, and they were all terrible. It wasn't five hundred, but it was like fifty. It was like forty to fifty million dollars for their bullpen. <laughs> and I can't see the Diamondbacks being able to do that. no, and I don't think they will because that's never been Mike Hazen and company's philosophy with the bullpen. Especially when you think about the closers they've had. Since they've been here, they've had Fernando Rodney, who was cheap and an old veteran. Um, they've had Brad Boxberger. Yeah. Um, uh, Greg uh, Holland. Greg Holland. That's that's who I was forgetting. Greg Holland. And until they finally said, okay, you know what, Archie, you're probably the closer now. Even and though then he they traded that away. whole time and probably better than all of them. Yeah. I mean, I think the best out of all of them was Fernando Rodney. But he Besides was still Archie, shaky. But he it was a roller coaster every time he took the mound because yeah. you never knew if he was going to walk the ballpark or not. Um, Brad Boxberger had a good first half of the season and then totally flamed out. Greg Holland was never good to start. Right. Um, so, it, but that's never been their philosophy with building this bullpen. They they're not going to go spend a bunch of money on relief pitchers. They're not going to go trade prospects for a for a bunch of relief pitchers. So they're if, just not going to do that. Especially with where this team is now, they just finished with tied for their worst record in franchise history. I don't think if they're going to spend money somewhere it shouldn't be on the bullpen to me, but that's just my opinion. I if, if you want to start building this team back up, I don't think spending a bunch of money on the bullpen is where you start. So let's throw Joaquin Soria in that mix too because for all intents and purposes last that's offseason, true. They, he was the closer. He was supposed to be the closer. And then they also got Tyler Clippard, but I, that was a lesser extent. Um, so if history tells us anything, should we then expect them to go out and target one older veteran with closing experience to come in, be that guy for the Diamondbacks? 
and then the rest of the bullpen works itself out from internally. Is that what we should expect? Because that's kind of the road they've taken. I don't know, but I don't know what to expect in terms of spending what money they want to spend. I mean, if you're just asking me off the top of my head, we were looking at this before we started recording kind of the, the transaction wire. I would love a guy like Rysel Iglesias, who was with the Angels last year, who is now a free agent. He has really good stuff, and he 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 had a, um, a decent amount of saves for an Angels team that wasn't very good last year. You know, so. But again, I don't know if they're going to be able to afford him because he is a good closer. I mean, Yimmy Garcia and Kendall Graveman are were on the Houston Astros this year. Went to the help them get to the World Series. They're both free agents, but they're probably going to make a decent amount of money. And they were traded for. That's true. So, I mean, it just depends on what you want to do. I mean, I, I don't I I I wouldn't bet money on the Diamondbacks spending spending their money or at least a good chunk of it on relief pitching. That's just not what Mike Hazen and his crew have done since they've been here. But at the same time, I look at the rest of the roster, not that you can't look at the worst team in baseball and say, well, they've got so much talent. But at the same time, they don't have a lot of glaring holes. Center field is obviously one, yeah. in my opinion. Well, now right field is too. But I are mean, they going to go and spend $20 million on a player to play right field? So, for instance, we were talking today, Nick Castellanos uh, opted for free agency. Sneaky opt-out by that's a, Nick Castellanos. That's a big player. I, I actually think of him kind of in the way I used to think of J.D. Martinez before he was acquired for the Diamondbacks. A player who is one of the best power hitters in baseball, not a great fielder, stick him in right field, you're going to be okay, but yeah. he's not a fielder, right. but he's a great hitter. That's J.D. Martinez to me. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking about how great would it be to have Nick Castellanos. Well, he was scheduled to make $34 million over the next two years. He opted out of that, which right. means he feels like he's going to get more than that, and he probably will. He pro- Yeah, he probably will. But the um, Diamondbacks aren't going to go and spend $20 million on a player like that, are no, they? No. $20 million per year, Because they are more than just him away from competing in this, right. in this division. So how... Like, it would be great if they did, but I don't really think they're going to. So that's my point, though. If the team's not going to spend money on the bullpen... Where else are you putting it? Because you have starters at a lot of positions. We both think that, I mean, Nick Ahmed uh, is kind of locked in in the infield. Nick uh, Cattell Marte is locked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Walker is probably locked in, although I could see them moving off of him. Uh, you've but, got David Peralta yeah. is still around. You've got uh, Josh Rojas needs a place. Paven Smith needs a place. So, like, you have players. They may not be great players, and you might be willing to move off of them, but I don't see them spending huge in any particular area unless they find a center fielder they really love um i mean just they're not going to do that just trying to put together what my dream situation would be for do that for this team right now i would love it if they went and got chris taylor to play center field now i don't know how much money chris taylor is going to make he he had a pretty dang good postseason, so that's what that's the most recent thing he's done. He had a pretty good postseason. I would love it if they went and got Chris Taylor, who can play anywhere you need him to play, but you can stick him in center field and he'll be pretty good out there. Um, and that also is makes it to where Cattell Marte won't have to uh, play center field anymore. Um, which I don't think is going to happen, regardless of what they do in center field. I think they, I think honestly, I think they would probably put Dalton Varsho out in center field than tell Marte. Chris Taylor made just south of eight million dollars last year. Okay, so 7. figure 8. he's going to make at least maybe 
10. 10 at the least. 10 at the least. He had a good post. He's going to get a raise. Yeah. He's going to get a raise somewhere. So let's let's put it to you this way. If he gets paid $10 million or more, which he will, um, he would be the second most expensive player on the Diamondbacks roster. Behind Baumgartner. Behind Baumgartner. Yeah. Who's making 18. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Chris Taylor makes 18 a year. Maybe. Um, Somebody might be desperate enough to pay a him. A guy that. like Avisail Garcia would be a really good signing for then put him in right field, but he had a good year last year too. And for a, for a, a Milwaukee Brewers team that made the playoffs. So um, how much is he? I don't cost? know. I don't know. It's just for a position that I mean, let's be honest. I know right field is open now with Cole Calhoun gone technically open, but you and I have kind of talked a little bit about how Pavin Smith needs a place to play. And while I don't love him in the outfield, if you're going to stick with Christian Walker at first base, there's really not another place to put Pavin Smith unless you're going to move off David Peralta too, and then you've got a whole outfield you got to worry about. Right. To me, if I was running the team, I would still have Christian Walker on the roster because he is arbitration eligible for the next, I think, two or three years. So he's going to be pretty relatively affordable for you to keep. And he's he just had a really bad year last year. Um the home run numbers were re- way down. His he's deep, arbitration his... eligible for two more years okay. after this next one. Okay, so, so technically, technically three, years. three years. So I mean, he had a he had a down year last year. The home run numbers weren't there. The defense was struggling. Um, but to me, I would if you're not ready to say Seth Beer come up again. It also depends on if there's the universal DH next year. Yeah, that could affect um, things too. So, but. If Seth Beer, you deem, isn't ready yet to be on the opening day roster, I would be starting Paven Smith at first. I would try to get his bat in the lineup every day at first. And then if you can go get a decent right fielder, I would do that. But they they kind of have, it's almost like it's weird to say a luxury because they did lose over 110 games last year. But they do have the, the luxury of position flexibility with Guys like Paven Smith and Josh Rojas. Josh Rojas could play right field every day if they, but then you're left with who plays third? Okay, I don't know. Yeah, then you gotta figure that out. It's basically you fill one hole. It's like it's like you're at the dam with the holes in it, and you put one (laughs) finger in one of the. There's eleven holes and ten fingers, and then one, (laughs) yeah, and then another one pops out, and eventually the whole dam breaks. But it's just it's 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 gonna be tough. I'm interested to see what they do. If they if they want to get because again I don't think they're going to spend a lot of money no so if they want to improve their roster right now it's going to have to be through trade and I just don't know if they're in the position to be giving up some of these guys I think they're probably in the position to move off of guys in favor of picking up prospects if you can I mean they traded away most of their big assets like Eduardo Escobar yeah um and last season they they moved off of a bunch of guys including Robbie Ray who you know. Might win the Cyan Award. Award. How is that not out yet? By I was, the way? Yeah, I was just going to ask them like, how the, the World, World Series, Series is over? Is over yeah. yeah, my intrigue level is dropping. By the way, by, by the way, anyway. speaking of awards, David Peralta is up for a Gold Glove again this year. I don't want to bash David Peralta, but how is that a thing? David Peralta is has been a good outfielder for the Diamondbacks. He is not at that same level anymore. He's not a Gold Glove defender when I watch him. Well, it's always the eye test does not say that he's a gold glove. It's always funny with gold gloves in left field because that's been forever the position where you throw your worst defender. Right. Well, yeah. 
You know, I get that. Barry Bonds played left field because he was so big he couldn't play anywhere else. So is it David Peralta is an average fielder, but when you compare him to the rest of the league. He's the best of the (laughs) average fielders? I don't know. I mean. I still think he's a good outfielder. I just, a gold glover? He's nowhere. I think of the elite of the elite. You are right when you say he is not what he was a few years ago. Yeah. He was a gold glove caliber player. Didn't he win one? He in did. 18, 19? Uh, I can't remember what year it was. It was either 18 Seven, or 19. 17 or 18, I want to say. Maybe you could be right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, I don't, because the other finalists were AJ Pollock, who's not a good defender either, and Tyler O'Neill, who, I mean, Tyler O'Neill is known for his bat. I mean, he's got a really strong arm, but he's also fast. Yeah, he's fast, but. Um, David Peralta is decidedly not fast. But <laughs> well, he didn't get gold on glove much. in 2019. Okay, 2019. David Peralta. That's not that long ago. But is he riding that riding that high from? I feel 2019 like there are guys still? that are always nominated for them, right? Like they're kind of prototypical. Like all, even when Andrew nominated. Jones started going downhill, and they're like, "Well, he's got like 40 of them, so we should." He just won keep 10 straight, him. so right or Derek Jeter at the end of his career. Zach Greinke has always is always nominated for a Gold Glove, no Damn, matter but what. But he's good at defense. Okay, <laughs> Zach Greinke. Here's the thing about I love about Greinke, by the way, because he just got a couple hits in the World Series, and mm-hmm. and people are making a big deal out of that because pitchers might never hit in the World Series ever. I again. love that Zach Greinke just acts like he's Babe Ruth. What I love about Zach Greinke, and we kind of get to take a little bit of. I love a lot of, of things about Zach Greinke. I uh, miss him. He is better at hitting than you are. I'm speaking to all pitchers right now. Oh, I now. thought I mean yes, he is. Well, better yeah, he than is me. better than yes, you too. He he's also better than me. Um, he's a better hitter than every pitcher in the league. And he's a better fielder than probably 99% of the pitchers in the league. He is better at two of the three aspects of playing baseball. Right. Like, there is hitting, there's fielding, and there's pitching. And he's better at two-thirds of that than everyone else in the league. I bet he's for his position. I bet he's constantly upset that he plays for an American League team because he can't hit. Maybe. I think I he's bet, competitive enough he loves hitting. I, I know. I'm just saying I bet he just... I bet he wishes that the universal DH would would be the other way around, that they would take it away universal. from the American League. Universal pitchers hitting. Yeah, he needs to go back about a hundred years right. and figure that out. Right. Um, um No, I love that he had a big he had a big postseason, but at the plate. Yeah. Not on the mound. Right. I love that. It was great. I know I, I would have loved for him to have been better in pitching, but he I had think a pretty it was good. Good, decent start in his last World Series yeah. start, and he was pretty good. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, okay, so those are some of the the moves. Oh, by the way, they did decide to bring back Merrill Kelly. Oh, yes, they did. That was not not surprised at all. No, in um, fact, I was going to ask you. Um, the Diamondbacks have five players currently under contract. Oh, oh it's what only I mean five. by okay, what I mean by under contract is they are not going to have to go through arbitration because, like, there are guys oh. like uh, like I'll give you an example. Okay, um, Carson Kelly is yes. still going through arbitration. arbitration He's right. going to be here next. Christian season, Walker, but. He, but they're not under contract. Yeah, Christian Walker. Five people under contract. Okay. Can you name them? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> We're going to find out. Madison Baumgartner. Definitely. He's number one. Cattell Marte. No, yeah, he's on the list. Um, Third highest salary on the team. David the Peralta. David Peralta, fourth highest. Nick Ahmed. Nick Ahmed is the second highest. There's only one left. There's one left. We kind of just named him. We did? Yeah. Merrill Kelly. Oh. Because okay. they picked up That's his That's right, option. Yeah. Because yeah. they picked up his option. Why? So he's technically under contract. 
those are your five players you have. Like I don't want to say long term, but that's that's going to increase because you got to tender guys contracts yeah. and go through the arbitration process. Yeah, I'm but not saying they're only guys gonna have that five are guys here and... on multi year deals of a contract. Right. It's five, <laughs> right? That well, and that's kind of crazy. And of those five, I'd be okay with them moving on from three of them, three or four of them. Cattell is really the only one that I I would want if, long long like term. Like if they if they could get a decent return for Bumgarner, I think that'd be a decent move. I you, um, you know I love Perdomo. Right. Nick I'm Ahmed. ready to I'm ready to move off Nick Ahmed for Perdomo. It's nothing against Nick Ahmed. He was more Great. than serviceable at shortstop for a lot of time here in Arizona. For a while there, there was literally and this is not even exaggerating. There was nobody better at playing shortstop than Nick Ahmed was for a good stretch he of time. He and Andrelton Simmons and maybe Jose Iglesias, Jose Iglesias. are the He's, three best shortstops yeah. fielding-wise yeah. of the last decade. Yep. I have no problem saying that. And sure. Nick Ahmed, you could make the case for any of the three of them. I think he's just as good as they were. Offen- or not offensively, defensively. Yeah. Offensively, bit of a struggle. Mm-hmm. He had one really good season, I thought, at shortstop, hitting-wise. And... I'd be okay with moving off of him, but he is also the second highest paid player on the team. So there is that you have to consider. And that's a um, coaching staff changes as well. Jeff Bannister was hired to be the bench coach to Tori Lovello's manager position. Um, Jeff Bannister, former manager of the Texas Rangers. Um, what do you think of the hire? I like it a lot. Um, I I think I said this last week on, on the show that, I think one of the reasons why the Diamondbacks in 2017 were so good and so well managed was because a first year manager that Tori Lavella was in 2017 had Ron Gardenhire sitting next to him helping him. And now I know that Tori's been a manager for a while now. He's this is this next year is would be his fifth year managing the Diamondbacks. He's moved up the list of 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 winning uh, winningest managers in franchise history. I mean, it's a young franchise, but still. Um, so I know that he he's not a rookie manager anymore that needs, you know, the old veteran to tell him what to do every time. But I think it helps. It really does. And um, I think a guy like Jeff Banister, Jeff Bannister, who has won uh, the manager of the year award in the American League before he has led the he led the Rangers to some success. He knows pretty much everything you need to know about being a manager. I think it always helps when a guy like that is your bench coach. Um, and again, I'm not saying that Tori Lovello needs people to tell him what to do anymore. He, I'm sure he appreciated Ron Garden hire in 2017 um, because he was a rookie manager that year. But it, it, I, don't, I think it only helps to have people like that um, surrounding you, more experienced coaching staff that, that, that you know, might bring different ideas instead of maybe just some guys that are just are there and just listen to whatever you say. Maybe bring some different ideas, bring some, maybe some pushback on something that maybe, maybe Tori wants to make this decision, but Jeff Bannister goes, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go to that guy in this situation, blah, blah, blah. And then you can figure it out from there. But so I talked with a friend who spent some time around Bannister with the Rangers covering him uh, in Texas. And we talked about the fact that no matter who they hired to be the bench coach in Arizona, it wasn't going to take them from worst no, in the league no. to the playoffs. No. It, it, your bench coach matters. Definitely not. Certainly matters. It's definitely an important position. It's not going to change the world if you get the best one 
or the worst one. It's not going to alter the team entirely. The players still have to play. But with that being said, you know, I from what I was told is that you're going to like having Jeff Bannister. It's not like it's a bad hire. I can't imagine any scenario right now where people look at this and they they, they see go, a oh reason yeah. and they see a reason to think, "Oh, that's a terrible hire." Right, like, no, right. that's not what anybody's saying. Sure. So, while I don't think it's going to change the world, I'm like you. I think that when you have people in positions of power, which I think a bench coach has some power, well, if yeah, I think if that's Tor- good to have somebody who's been there. If Tori Lovello gets ejected, Jeff Bannister is the manager. Right. So I think you need experience with that stuff. And like I said before, I, I really do believe this, that an experienced bench coach like they had in 2017 really helped with, with Ron Garden hire. I think that was a great hire when Tory first got here. And I think this is maybe not on the same level, but it it's because the team isn't as good as it was in 2017. But I think Jeff Bannister will only help Tory and everyone else around the club. Yeah, and I wonder, too, these are things we may never know the answer to, but uh, I wonder what Tory hopes to get out of Jeff. Because, yeah. you know, with the Ron Gardenhire example, I can imagine that there are plenty of situations in 2017 where brand new manager like Tory could go to Ron Gardenhire and say, listen, you've been doing this a long time. This is the first time I've come across X. You know, what would you do? Whatever example it may be. Yeah. This is the first time I've had to decide between... Do I hit this guy in the in the, in the four hole or in the eight hole? And then you talk to the guy who's been through it a lot, and you try to get a feel for w- what he might have done. Now Tory is the guy who's been there. He's done that. He's right. been here for a while. Sure. So he's probably not looking to Jeff Bannister so much for like, hey man, I need your wisdom because I don't have any. Right. They're kind of more on equal terms. They, like you mentioned, they both won Manager of the Year for mm-hmm. successful teams. Mm-hmm. One in the AL, one in the NL, around similar times too. So, to me, I, I do wonder, what is he looking to get out of him? Is it something with player development? Because we, we know that that's going to be one of the biggest goals for Tory this coming season is, how do you develop young players? And Bannister is certainly going to play a role in that. Um, so I wonder what his skill set is that made Tory interested in employing him. Yeah. So I think we're going to find that out over time. Good point. Um, let's finish up with recapping the World Series. Oh, yeah, that happened. It did happen. You know, we basically treated it like it didn't. Would you say God's team, the Braves? God wanted the Braves to win. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. I saw, um, did you see Vince Scully's tweet today? Yes. Oh my goodness. Very interesting. So if I'm remembering right. I'll look it up real Okay. Quick. Yeah. I'll say it and then you can just correct everything I say. Basically it was Hank Aaron died this year and he wore the number 44 and they won 44 games before the trade deadline, or before the All-Star break, 44 after, and then they won in the 44th week yeah. of the year. They won the World Series. Crazy. Tell me that God didn't want the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series. I, I don't know if I can. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> they were the team of destiny. They were definitely, and what was great about the Braves was they're so likable, right? I mean, Jock Peterson, a very, um, I mean, I'm not in good shape either, but a very plump Jock Peterson. <laughs> Wearing his pearl necklace and... Ble- you look good, though. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. it. Um, uh, with his pearl necklace and his blonde dyed hair hitting yeah. big tater tots, you know? Doesn't every championship team have the, like, kind of the yes. weirdo? Yes. Like the J.R. Smith of every team? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the Giants had Brian Wilson, the... Yeah. Dyed black beard with his weirdness. Maybe and... every team doesn't, but it just seems like they always stand out. Like, <laughs> um, he wasn't the MVP of the World Series. No. But he might have been the character of the postseason. 
Well, and just, yes, he definitely was the character. I mean, the pearl necklace pretty much set him aside yeah. with that. Um, but just think about what the Braves had to do to even get there. Beat the Dodgers? Well, they had to rebuild their whole outfield. Oh, yeah, you they mean to, before they even they got had, to the postseason. Yeah, they had yeah. to rebuild their whole outfield. They lost Acuna to a torn ACL. Maybe the best player in the league um, at the time. Marcelo Zuna got in some trouble, legal problems, and then was injured. He didn't play for them for most of the season. Yeah. Um, Nick Markakis had retired before this season. They they went and traded for Jock Peterson. They traded Pablo Sandoval for Eddie Rosario, who was basically Hank Aaron, in this in these playoffs, the pa- dude was on fire. Pablo gets a ring, by the way. Yeah, he did. Yeah, His fourth he does. ring. That guy has four World Series anything. championships. He didn't do anything. I know for that team, <laughs> nothing. He pinch hit a few times, um, and then they went and got Jorge Soler from the Royals. Who yeah, they 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 traded Pablo Sandoval and some dude I can't even remember his name for the NLCS MVP and the World Series MVP. I think it was like a catcher prospect or something oh alex jackson was that it i don't even know i don't know i'm just gonna assume you're right um (laughs) that's what i do on a daily basis they traded those two guys for the nlcs mvp and eddie rosario and the world series mvp jorge soler yeah i don't even know what they traded to the cubs for jock peterson doesn't it make you wonder a little bit okay so also too, adam duvall Yes, let's talk Adam about Duvall. Adam I forgot about Andrew. He's Duvall. not only did they add him to the team, he's playing center field. Yes. He's not a center fielder. He's a good defender, but he's not a center fielder. And, and he was playing center field. Now, all of a sudden, he is a pretty good center fielder, turns out. And it makes you wonder about the Diamondbacks organization. <laughs> How were the Braves able to give up basically nothing for four key contributing outfielders who all hit really well in the postseason? And the Diamondbacks don't have anybody to play center field. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a, it's an odd thing to it's ponder. It's depressing, isn't it? But there's there's plenty of organizations that do this over time, but I mean you got to give credit to the GM in Atlanta for masterfully rebuilding his entire outfield. Yeah, Alex Anthopoulos did a great job. And he's uh, he's a good GM. And poor Always guy poor been. guy didn't even get to go to Houston for the clincher because I believe I read he tested positive for COVID-19. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he didn't get to go. So that sucks. Yeah. Um did you see <laughs> Do you see the parade today? Do you I, see how fast they were driving the buses yeah, down the I street? Saw Atlanta clip. doesn't know how to handle championship parades. There's a couple things that that, that was one. They were driving the buses at like 30 miles per hour That's not down the streets. That. That's not a parade. No. And then That's Ty- a drive-by. Tyler Matzik, who was one of the big heroes in the World Series and yeah. the playoffs, Lefty got, reliever, got yeah. a bunch of huge, just ginormous outs in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He gets off one of the buses and is walking and like, you know, greeting the fans and stuff. And the cops tried to arrest him because they thought he was a fan who'd like jumped the barricade. They tried to arrest him and he's like, I play for the team. Forgive me, I didn't watch the Atlanta Braves parade. Um, do they wear uniforms? They were. He was wearing his own uniform. Well, I guess the fans wear jerseys, so I guess. But who has a Tyler Matzik jersey? <laughs> Tyler Matzik does. He does. So you think that would be him? Maybe his parents? I don't know. He does look like kind of like a normal guy. They're all normal guys. He just had his beer in his hand and he was saying what's up to all the fans. They all look like normal guys except for Jock Peterson. He does not look like the normal guy. Freddie Freeman, like, what a great story for him, too. And what's great, he's going to be a free agent this year. He's only ever... Is he... I Is think he? he's going to end up back in Atlanta. I don't yeah. think there's any way he... Technically, he's I, a free agent. I think he's going to do go the Buster Posey route. 
where he spends his entire career with one team and he retires. Can we brave. talk about Posey for a second? Yes. So it came out, I think, yesterday he yep. retired. Yep. Um, obviously a great career in San Francisco to the chagrin of Diamondbacks fans everywhere. Yep. Um, he won three championships early in his career. I, I seem to remember him and Bumgarner kind of coming up together. They won a championship system. in his rookie season. Yeah, and he was a key piece in those championships in the mm-hmm. postseason. Mm-hmm. Great hitting catcher. I remember him coming up as a top prospect. And catching prospects are kind of weird. Sometimes they work out great. Sometimes, uh, I don't know, maybe every position Sometimes is like Sometimes they that, get but, moved to not a catcher. Right, like a Kyle Schwarber was a right. great catcher prospect. Bryce Harper was drafted as a catcher, too, right. out of high school, and he is not. He doesn't play catcher. They don't stick all the time. Yeah. Even like Mike Piazza played first. Because base. there's a lot that goes into a catcher. You have to, you know, you, you have to have a decent bat. You have to call a good game. You have to be good behind the plate defensively. You have to block wild pitches and pass balls and all that. First of all, I'm intrigued by... There's a lot that goes into it. I know. It's definitely the hardest position in baseball. I think so. I agree. Um, He had a $22 million team option for next season. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, and I'll ask you, do you think the Giants, if he did want to play another season, do you think the Giants would have picked up the $22 million option? Because he was really good this season, but he also played about half the time. It was like a Dwayne Wade at the end of his career, you know? I think that they would have. As he's kind of it. a courtesy, too, because he is given pretty much everything he has to that organization. And he is and one of those players that puts butts in seats. Correct. He is their fr- He's their face of the franchise. He definitely is. Um, even with all the younger talent they have now, he is he is Mr. Giant right now. He he's Buster Posey. He's been there forever. He's won three World Series. He's made multiple All Star teams. He was an MVP. He was a Rookie of the Year. All as a Giant. And people come to see Buster Posey. And so I think yes, I think they would have picked up that option who's if he hadn't man- retired. Who's the manager of the Giants? Uh, Gabe Kapler. Yeah, you could replace him with Buster Posey. Oh. Right? right now? <laughs> right now, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, just here. won 109 games or whatever they won. Truth be told, that doesn't happen very often where you just, the catcher retires and then just usurps the manager. I, the only example I have is David Ross. <laughs> but Well, yeah. I mean, kind of, right? I mean, I, mean I, could, I could see him being a manager at some point. I could. Yeah. I mean, you could say that about pretty much any great catcher. But Yadier Molina is probably going to be a manager. It, I mean, could be. I don't know. I don't know. But catchers make great managers, historically speaking. Mm-hmm. They manage games from behind home plate. Basically. A lot of catchers call their own games. They don't even need the coaching Catch, staff. And Yeah, I mean, I was going to say. Like a lot, of, a lot of catchers, they look over to the dugout and their constant communication with the coaches and managers, knowing what they need to do in this spot or this spot or this spot. So, yeah. Is Buster Posey a Hall of Famer? Yes, he is. I think he is. That was pretty easy. I don't know you. if he's a first ballot, but okay. Um, I think it's the three rings that gets him in. Oh yeah, um, MVP helps too. Just nothing but success from the start of his career. Yeah, he won. They won a World Series in his rookie season. I'll and bet. He was, and he was a key, like you said, a key contributor to each and every one of their World Series titles. I'll bet he's got one of the higher winning percentages of all the catchers in baseball too. Probably. In terms of wins and losses and, for his team. And the fact that he never really made the switch to like first base. Not full time. No, he played I mean, he some played first. a couple games, but it wasn't like Joe Maurer who they took out from behind the, right. the plate to save his he health. He became a first baseman. Yeah, he basically TH. was a third baseman at the end of his career. Yeah. Buster Posey, 
He started as a catcher, and he's going out as a catcher. Is uh, Yachty, he's, next season's his last season, right? I mean, I think so. He signed a one, Him and Wainwright signed a one-year deal to come back. Is Yachty a Hall of Famer? Yeah. How many rings does he have? One? One or two. Okay. Honestly. No MVPs, though. Honestly, with him, I think it's the defense that sets him apart from anything. Okay. I mean, I don't know if... And the handling of the I mean, it's staff. all about voting, too. It's not about... I mean, it's about your resume, but it's about the people voting what they think you're a Hall of Famer or not. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not home there's run no, numbers. There's no algorithm that says you are a Hall of Famer because no. if there was, the ster- all the steroid users would be in. I think, though, you're right. There's no number that when you reach it, you become a Hall of Famer. But I would say uh, there are some numbers that do get you in. There's 500 home runs. Sure. Yeah, everybody who has five hundred home runs, three hundred wins, three hundred wins, three hundred wins, which will never happen again. Nope. Uh, a certain number of saves probably gets you in. I don't know. Well, I don't even remember the numbers. It's like three thousand hits or five hundred. Uh, yeah, three thousand hits. Like those are numbers you reach, but those are great numbers. Those are um, almost impossible numbers to get. To. Catchers don't have those metrics other than championships and I don't know pitching staff ERA. Should I mean, we be looking at that? I mean, does that or do they get credit for that? I don't know. He deserves some credit. You know, I don't know. That's a good question. He deserves some credit for the ERA of the Cardinals. I think of all those young Cardinals. God, I'm going to bring up a terrible name for Diamondbacks fans. Shelby Miller was good with Yachty behind the plate. Yeah, before he went to Atlanta. Wainwright obviously has been good in his own right. Yeah. I think of Chris Carpenter. Carpenter. (laughs) Uh, There's been some good ones. Like like players that were good for the Cardinals, but not necessarily the biggest names you would ever think of. And I'll just go back to it. I mean... I've never seen a better defensive catcher, even at his age, than Yadier Molina is. I think you can make the same argument about Posey, too. Matt Cain. Tim Lincecum was a different level. He was a higher level than any of those guys. Oh, um, jo- uh, Jonathan Sanchez. He threw a no-hitter. I think I'm getting his name right. Yeah, he wasn't... He wasn't anything spectacular. level. Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> Bumgarner, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Buster even, Posey... Even think about it this year. Kevin Gosman had a career year. Um, with Posey right. back, um, Logan Webb came on, broke onto the scene. Anthony DeSclafani was kind of just that—he's a serviceable arm, but he became one of their better pitchers. Alex Wood too. I think you could see Posey and Molina both in the Hall of Fame, but for different reasons. I think Posey was the complete package. Uh-huh. He had defense. He had hitting. Yep. He hit for average. I mean, he finished his career over three hundred. Yep. Which I think I read only like six catchers have done in their career. Wow. Was it six? It might have even been less than that. So I don't know. I, I think watching Posey retire was crazy to me because I remember him coming I, up as a I, prospect. And I, now yeah, I'm thinking yeah. like, oh God, I'm old. Right. I just even though I'm I was really surprised not. he decided to call it quits, especially after the year that the Giants had this year and the fact that he was going to make twenty two million dollars next year. He um, could have if they brought him back at that. Sure. Number. I mean they I, could have negotiated down. I think he was going to come back. I think they were going to pick up that option though. But yeah, just. Even money notwithstanding, just the crazy year and the magical year that the Giants had winning the NL West. I think a lot of it is about his body, though. Sure. He has talked about extensively about how he's had to go through so many injuries. Well, he took a year off last year due to COVID, and that was probably the best thing for him. I think COVID was... I don't want to say an excuse because I know he treated it seriously, and he they had had a kid. The, his, right, his, he and his wife had adopted two twin girls, so they had legit that were reasons. newborns. He had legit family reasons to do that for COVID. But don't you also think that taking the year off kind of refreshed the legs? That's exactly the knees, what I'm saying. Yeah, the body. That's what I'm saying. I think his year off 
helped him so much in, in for this season. I think that's why he was able. And like you said, he didn't play every day. No, um, he would play every couple days and he'd get a day off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I think that was a big part of it. But, yeah, it's, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, I guess the Joey Bart era is on now. It is upon us. Is, is well, on now. Kurt, the Casale Kurt Casale well. era. He played well. Yeah. Pretty good hitter. Yeah. So I, I don't we'll know. See. It's it's interesting to see another player in the NL West to kind of fade to black right. in terms of his career. But um, I mean, you got to respect him. I mean, like if we're talking about that, the Dodgers could have a very different roster next year too. I mean, they could. Kenley Jansen is a free agent. Clayton Kershaw, Corey Seager, Chris Taylor, Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer. Albert Pujols. Who knows what's happening with Trevor Bauer? Right, his legal situation. He I, might never be a baseball player. Again. I I still don't think he'll ever pitch for the Dodgers again. But. I saw it was announced yesterday that Trevor Bauer opted into his. Oh, contract. I'm sure he did. <laughs> yeah, because who's going to give him thirty million dollars or whatever his, he's uh, making? His forty-five million dollars a year Stupid. or whatever it is. Yeah. There's got to be a way for the Dodgers to get out of that deal, right? You well, would think. You got to let the legal situation. How they still play not out. figure that stuff out yet? I hate that that stuff takes so long. It's a complex issue, so yep, I get it. it and, and and remember too, it's probably like criminally litigated. Sure, sure. The baseball baseball is the least of the concerns in that order. Oh yeah, in that whole That's ordeal. For sure. And it should it baseball shouldn't be at the forefront of that anyway. No. So, but but to your point, the Dodgers could have three new pieces in the rotation. They could have a whole new infield. They yeah. could have Well, good thing they traded for Trey Turner. Yeah. Well, who can just who can just play shortstop if Corey Seager leaves. He'll be around and he'll probably be around for a I while. I think it would be cool, but I know they I know that the uh Mariners didn't pick up Kyle Seager's option. I think it would be cool if Corey Seager and Kyle Seager teamed up in Seattle. Oh, that could be interesting. That'd be really cool. What if they brought Kyle to LA? Yeah, I don't want that. No. Well, okay, as a D-backs fan, I understand. I don't want that to happen. Well, they still have Justin Turner, though. Justin Turner's still under contract. Yeah, that's true. So I don't I don't think they They can... could move a few pieces around, though. Could they move Turner to first base and move Max Muncy to second base? I guess. If they lose. Oh, but if they're going to keep Seager. Sorry. If they keep that's... Seager, they can't. Yeah, Because Trey Turner has to play second or center field if they lose Chris Taylor. Apparently Trey Turner can play center field. Well, I can. Yeah, he can. I can tell you this. Though, Mookie Betts can play second base. I'll tell you this though. Uh, Max Scherzer's not going anywhere because when they traded for I him, mean, he had a no trade clause, didn't he? Yes, and he, he picked did. L.A. He, well, he, well, he picked San Diego. He, uh, then he picked L.A. <laughs> he approved the deal to go to L.A. And you don't do that unless you know they're working on a contract. He wanted extension. to go to one of the California teams, basically. Yeah, and the, I don't think the Giants were ever in on Max Scherzer. But so basically, he wanted to go to either L.A. or San Diego. So he wouldn't have gone I'm in guessing, that deal if they didn't I, want to keep him. Long unless term. San Diego, I mean, San Diego can make a run at him now, and they wouldn't have given up the prospect package, which was pretty good, to get Max Scherzer without knowing they wanted to sign him long term. Speaking of San Diego, he's going to be there. Speaking of San Diego, have we talked about Bob Melvin yet? No, because remember I said that Mike Schilt would be the <laughs> yeah. next man. Oh, you didn't want to look stupid? <laughs> yeah, no. It's not that I look stupid. I no, look stupid I, on my I, own. I actually kind of agreed with you. Um I this Bob Melvin to San Diego thing came out of nowhere. It's crazy. God, what do you compare that to? It's like oh, oh, it perfect example. It's like when Joe Madden went from the Rays to the Cubs. Yeah. Right before they got really super good. Well, right. Around the time they got super good. And everyone was like, wait what a minute. What are you doing? He yeah. had an out? Yeah. Because he was one of the top managers in baseball yep. in he, Tampa Bay. He had led the race to a World Series. And all of a sudden, a big market 
team, which this, the Padres are not a big market team, but the Cubs certainly are. The Cubs go and basically stole him yeah. from Tampa Bay, which right. is a great organization great right. in terms of wins and losses. Mm-hmm. It's just like that. Bob Melvin is widely regarded as one of the better managers in baseball. And nobody knew he was available. It looks like well, the A's he, are going through some sort of reorg where well, they might have a new GM. I mean, Billy Bean was rumored to be talking to the Mets potentially about their job, right. which they can't even find somebody that wants and, that job. And it, it, Bob Melvin, the whole thing about Bob Melvin was he was under contract. Right. And the A's are... The, what did you just do? I just moved my microphone. <laughs> wow, okay. That was must be noise. really ru- rusty. Um, so, but the A's... The fact that they let Bob Melvin interview for the job meant that they don't receive any compensation um, for Bob Melvin. Because if you know, if it was he, if he sought out that interview on his own, then they could have negotiated some kind of trade, I guess, with the Padres for their manager. Which I don't, I can't remember the last time that's happened. Um, but. I believe the the Padres came asking, and the A's were like, "Yeah, you can interview." Go me. ahead. Yeah. Well, the whole, the whole Oakland A's situation is, is kind of nuts because they were, you know, they're they're a contender. I mean, not maybe not a World Series contender, but they usually are competing for the playoffs every year. And now they're some of their players are due for raises and arbitration, and they it, might make some trades. It like, feels like they're about to cut. A bunch of I've seen I've seen rumors about Chris Bassett and Sean Manaya being traded. I don't. Oh, those are good young pitchers. I don't think they would trade Matt Chapman or Matt Olson, but but you could. Yeah, you certainly could. Yeah. So, um, I'm not sure exactly what the thought process was, but I don't think Bob Melvin wanted to go through a rebuild in Oakland and now and this is he is the perfect hire for the San Diego Padres who it seems like have been kind of the players at least have been upset about communication with the players and and stuff like that from Jace Tingler and everything Bob Melvin will fix that he is one of the best managers in Major League Baseball and now he's with the Padres, and I'm kind of upset about it. Uh, can I? Not that he would of, still be the manager of the Diamondbacks now, but I'll put a bow on the World Series thing. Okay. My only regret about the World Series, I think my only regret, <laughs> is that Dusty Baker doesn't get something out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't like the Astros. I didn't want them to win the World Series. Well, that's not Dusty's fault. Like we talked to Mike Farron, what was that a week ago? about what do you think is going to, like, what's the biggest storyline in the World Series? And he said Dusty Baker and his ties to Hank Aaron being in the on-deck circle when Hank Aaron hit his 716th home run. It's been 17 years since he was last in the World Series. He was drafted by the Braves, the team he was facing in the World Series. So, I mean, Dusty Baker is is, uh, one of the more respectable managers. By the way, I think they gave him a new contract today. Oh, that's good. Well, that's good. So, listen, he was... I thought of him as a stopgap after the whole A.J. Hinch thing where they let yeah. him go because of the yeah, cheating I, scandal. Yep, yep. I thought for sure Dusty Baker was just kind of a face until they found something else. And I'm glad that with their success, even though I don't like the Astros, with their success came success for Dusty Baker. And yeah. I think he's one of the more underrated, even though everyone knows he's great. He's still somehow underrated. 
in terms of managers in baseball. Yeah, they and gave, I love that about They him. gave him a new one-year deal to come back for next year. Okay. And so even they think it's not a long-term well, thing. Well, he is in his 70s. Right. So who knows when he's going to That's the kind of guy you can expect to work under a one-year deal. Sure, sure. Because he's, he's not just... He's trying to rem- think to himself, guy, am I going to come back for another guys year? Guys like him and Tony La Russa, you know... You know, yeah, are, they could be done older. at any time. Exactly, exactly. I get that. Exactly. Hey, we're gonna wrap up the podcast for this week. And to be honest with you, this this might do it for us for a little while until until we have D backs news because we don't have anything oh, that's immediately. Sad. We don't have anything immediately on the on the books. The winter meetings will be soon, I Here, guess. Here's what we'll do. No, here's what we'll do. Um, okay, let's do another Tell podcast us. soon where we run down free agency. Okay, because that technically Yay. has officially started, right? It. I mean, yeah. Unless there's a strike. Oh, God. Don't put that on us. <laughs> Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Um, let's wrap up the podcast. We thank you so much you for checking us out. You are not paralyzed. Thanks for checking out the podcast during the postseason <laughs> and all throughout the season. We know it was a rough one for the Diamondbacks, but uh, fortunately, it was all right for us. We made it through. Yay. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. Yeah, barely. That is Bear. Barely. Barely. Cody Fincher also on the podcast. It is the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.